Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first hour, you can go a little bit later today and grab the podcast at either MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. Uh, and we've made it super simple to share the show right from there. So I encourage you to check that out, become a missionary of the ministry, and share this show with somebody new. Um, trust me when I tell you in advance, this is going to be an hour you're going to want to share I am going to talk with Ty Manns about the new movie, My Brother's Keeper. And I'm also going to talk with Michael Kelly, vice president of Lifeway, about his new book, The Whole Story for the Whole Family. It's a year of Jesus-centered family devotions. And, well, I think it's great. Um, All right, so a couple of headlines here leading off the hour. Congress is returning to Washington this week. They've got a jam-packed agenda. Let's be praying for our particular representatives, but let's be let's be praying for, you know, everybody engaged in the process as well. Congress is facing some really big questions about infrastructure, immigration, um, the Second Amendment. You might also interpret that as conversations about gun control. President Joe Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure as spending and tax plan is probably going to be front and center in conversations this week. Uh, let me just say, it's going to take months months to advance. And so this is not something that's going to be decided in the coming days or even the coming weeks. And so don't get triggered by headlines that tell you, you know, that this is do or die in this moment. Um, This is going to take months to unfold. Uh, And so, you know, maybe by Memorial Day, we would be talking about uh, conversations about a vote. All right. um, The Minnesota National Guard has been deployed to Brooklyn Center. That happened last night after hundreds of people gathered in protest um, over the death of a young man in an officer-involved shooting and then a subsequent car crash. Um, Lots going on unfolding in this story. Minnesota Governor um, Tim Waltz has identified the man as Duante Wright. And so let's just recognize this is all happening in the midst of the ongoing trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin charged with the murder and the death of George Floyd. So Lots going on there to be praying about and um, and probably something that you want to queue up uh, if you're in the Twin Cities, probably something that you want to queue up in terms of your local travel um, today. All right. Have you seen any good movies lately? I have because I got a screener of a movie uh, called My Brother's Keeper. And next up, we're going to talk with Ty Manns about it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carl. Ty Manns, Major Retired Terrence Manns, uh, joins me now. 
Among other things, he is a screenwriter, he is a producer, and he heads up Man's Mackie Studios. Um, and so we are talking about the production of his screenplay, My Brother's Keeper. Welcome. Ty, welcome. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, I want to begin with the end um, in mind here, because um, I think that having seen the screener of this film, I think that My Brother's Keeper is, um, as a military family, uh, is an excellent window into the experience that people who go to war have and what they come home with, our expectations that they're going to be able to just, you know, get right back into the groove of things. But they've got soul wounds that have to be dealt with. Um, PTSD is real. Why don't you tell me, what is your hope? After people see this film, what's your hope? Well, I I think you you shined a really good light on it, and that is that for people to understand that these things do exist, that they're real. Uh, and the further and further we get away from deployments and the, the wars from the the early 2000s and mid-2000s, uh, it almost feels like some of that is being forgotten. Like, well, you know, we don't see the stuff on TV anymore, so it can't be that bad. But it is that bad, isn't it? I mean, it never really goes away. And, and that's why I kind of wrote this story it was based on my father's experience coming in from Vietnam. And um, it, it never went away until he starts seeking help. And so I just hope people understand that. And, and I hope that, that organizations like our churches uh, will always have their doors open to accept and listen to people and talk to people because that was the bridge the church was the bridge that got my father to professional counseling that he needed. Uh, so I, I hope people watch it, and, and then I hope they're entertained because you know it is a movie. So uh, I do want them to feel like they watched a really good movie. They were entertained, but they they feel motivated to to keep their eyes and ears and hearts open um, to those who need help. Ty, I felt like at many points along the way, um, I could have paused the film and had a a really robust conversation with maybe my teenagers or or my young adult children um, about what's going on. I mean, there's a war over there, but there's a war right here in our in our cities and in our communities. And there's a war, you know, right here in the middle of every human chest. Um, And I, I just I just felt at many points along the way um, there are provocative moments in the film where you could stop and have a conversation about, hey, a black guy out for a jog um, ends up being tased and he's a ranger. I mean, like, I just like there's just so many parts of this that there's just these moments in the film where I'm like, I want to hit the pause button right here and I want to stop and have a conversation about what's happening in this film. Yeah, I mean, uh you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure I actually wrote it for that purpose, but because I believe because this film was so closely related to actual events, the events that when I was a young 10-year-old boy in 72, 73 time frame, watching my father coming home from Vietnam and watching and seeing the, the, the experiences that he went through, that it just shows you that life kind of repeats itself in many ways. It's just the faces that change. Um, And so it gives you those moments where you can stop and go, 
okay, look at this or let's talk about that. Uh, we've actually developed a discussion guide for churches and organizations that actually take clips from the movie now, and, and it'll give you the opportunity to do exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but I didn't write it that way. I didn't write it intentionally to be that way. But um, I'm happy that it, it worked that way and you felt like that was important, that you could do something like that with the story. That, that makes me feel great as the writer. There's, um, you know, I find I found myself also like that little ten year old boy, right, who's sitting sitting there and uh, eventually receives his father's Bible. That Bible, that Bible has, you know, obviously it it contains the Word of God, but it it's when it appears, it is more than just a prop in this film. Talk about yeah, just talk yeah. about kind of some of the things that are going on here. The you know when um, uh, when they're driving and she takes him to see the three men that are living under the bridge. Like there are some moments in the film that I say to myself, these are real moments that each and every one of us can imagine being in. Yeah, and you know that moment, uh, the, the the moment where uh, Keisha takes TC's character. Uh, to the bridge that didn't happen exactly that way. But my father, to give you a little back context here, my dad went on to become a pastor himself and he passed mm. it for many years. But as he was transitioning from his uh, tormented time uh, to his faith, what the pastor that was, was helping him, our local pastor actually took him to a location where there were homeless vets and said, if he got his life together, he could probably help them get their lives together. Mm. And so that's where I, I, I lifted that in a way and, and added that in there. It took some course of creative liberties, but that was to, to, to show that part that it takes something sometime to jumpstart you. And in this case, it was my dad saying, his fellow service personnel, homeless, and he felt like he could do something, but he had to fix himself first. And so that's what I wanted to just, the, the message there is like, grab a hold of whatever it is, it, it, you know, whatever it is that you think you can grab a hold to that will start that change in your life. And, and for my dad, that was that was that period. And there's a lot of those little moments in there. You know, at the end, the Bible, when he gives the little boy the Bible, uh, for me, that was representative of my father becoming, accepting his faith and leading him to become a pastor. You know, the, the, when he became a deacon, uh, I remember the ceremony and I, the pastor handed him his first Bible in that church. And that was kind of, that 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 at the end when he has the little boy the Bible was kind of me as a ten year old again twelve year old probably about twelve years old about this time uh, watching my father get his first Bible in the church so um, there's a lot of little hidden things in there like that you you picked up on a lot of them <laughs> well, it's good it's, it's a good film it's a good film yeah. so well, uh, Ty Mans yeah thank you so much for joining us today that is Major Retired Terrence Ty Mans uh, thank you for your service thank you for the ongoing service of your sons um, thank you for being a military family generationally I mean you guys are you know you guys 
are the people upon whom, um, you know, our freedoms are secured and sustained. And as one military family to another, you know, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for this film. Um, the movie is My Brother's Keeper. You guys uh, need to check it out. Ty, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. And thank you for your service as well. God bless Absolutely. You. Thank you. We'll be right back. Uh, spend a couple of minutes uh, doing uh, surveying a few headlines today. Um, we we kind of missed a week of talking with each other because of Spring Share, which was totally great. And thank you again, totally amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but there are some headlines that I thought that we would spend a couple of minutes uh, covering today. This is the 60th anniversary of the first human to orbit the Earth. That's kind of cool. Um, we have um, a lack of rain in Kenya. And you say to yourself, well, wh- why should I care? What's going on with that? Do you remember the locust, the, the conversation that we had about the locusts in Kenya? Um, well, now there is a lack of rain, which might help the locust problem, but certainly is not going to help the food production issue in terms of of a harvest. And so... Um, There are things that are going on around the world that we tend to lose sight of. It's a headline. It makes a headline for a day or even a week, you know, but then we move on to another headline. But the people in the region absolutely uh, have not and cannot are not in a position to move on. And so let's be continuing in not only prayer, but in support of ministries and missions who are advancing um, the cause of human flourishing around the world. So if God has placed a particular nation on your heart or a particular people group, why don't you check in on them? Why don't you um, today check in on missionaries who are serving on the front lines of those places that God has uniquely placed on your heart? So, you know, for me, I have a cousin who serves full-time as a medical missionary in uh, Togo, West Africa. Um, and so that is a place that God has, you know, put on my heart. I have also uh, had the privilege of um, of visiting and serving for a period of time in Malawi. And so uh, the people there are particularly on my heart. I can see their faces. I can see the, the, the homes in which they live. I see their needs. And so where have you been in the world um, or where do you have a friend serving? Where does your church have a missionary deployed that's a place that God has uniquely set in your heart? Maybe it's our conversations about the Uyghur people, um, and and maybe that is something that God has really, you know, sown into your heart as a heart level concern. When people ask me, like, how do I know what I'm called to? Where is my mission? What what ministry am I supposed to be engaged in? Um, whatever it is that turns your heart is is also turning the heart of God. Like, if that's something that's aligned with God's concern then maybe that's your mission. Maybe that's the particular unique place in the world where God has called you to invest not only your prayers, but your resources um, and potentially your time and your and your service. And so let me encourage you to think for a moment. You know, we talk a lot about where in the word are you today? I'm going to lift that up again. Where in the word are you today? But where in the world, where in the world has God uniquely called you to give prayerful uh, attention? 
and maybe beyond that prayerful attention, you know, an act of um, of sacrificial giving or service. Where in the world? Uh, maybe it is Honduras. Maybe it is Guatemala. Maybe it is Mexico. Maybe it is Taiwan. Maybe it is Iran. Maybe um, it is Belarus. Maybe it is one of the 157 countries in Africa. Maybe it is somewhere in the Middle East. Maybe it's somewhere in Europe. Maybe it's Russia. Maybe it's Northern Ireland. You see how this works, right? Maybe it's a particular island in Indonesia, the name of which I do not know, but as soon as I said Indonesia, your heart flickered toward a particular people in a particular place because you know their particular needs. The world is a big place, but the world is also a very, very small place. And so as we have, you know, conversations about uh, NASA testing a, for the first time ever, a helicopter on Mars, and we have, uh, you know, conversations about what in the world does that even mean? What does that look like? Um, How is that even possible? Uh, Let us also, you know, be mindful that this earth, although not, um, uh, you know, not our not our home home. Right. Like it's but this is our home. Like we live here and this is the place over which God has set us as his stewards and managers. And so let's have a heart that is tenderized towards the needs of people around the world today. Um, if you're not familiar with it, there's something at World um, at World News called uh, the SIFT, and in the SIFT, there's always a worldwide component, and it's a place where you can do like a world watch, and so um, just it's just an opportunity for us to, I think, be tenderized in our hearts and minds today about what's happening around the world um, as as Iran. Uh, blames Israel for the power outage uh, at a nuclear power plant, you know, and steam rises in relationships um, in many, many places. Let's be the people whose hearts go out um, to those around the world, asks God's intervention today in places and spaces where we will never visit. And, um, and sometimes the names of which are hard for us to pronounce God accounts for every person in each one of those places and the circumstances of their lives. So whatever God has tenderized your heart toward today in terms of what's going on around the world, let me just invite you to spend a couple of minutes prayerfully um, considering that as we uh, as we take some time um, now to turn our attention with our friends at the Colson Center to Breakpoint. Wow. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I am betting that uh, that will provoke some conversation today. If you missed it, you can always go back and listen again or share um, Breakpoint um, directly from the Breakpoint website, which is just breakpoint.org. Um, and so I just I love John Stone Street. He, I'm a big fan. And um, every single day, I feel like Breakpoint brings us something that we can um, raise our raise our eyebrows about, but also really equips us for the conversations being had in the world around us. So really thankful for that. All right. Up next, Michael Kelly. 
Michael's a vice president at Lifeway. Um, he's an author. He also happens to be an elder at the church where I attend. Um, and he joins us next to talk about this brand new family devotional. It's just excellent. It's called The Whole Story for the Whole Family, a year of Jesus-centered family devotions. And that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Locato. Pride and shame. You'd never know they're sisters. They appear so different. Pride puffs out her chest. Shame hangs her head. Pride boasts. Shame hides. Pride seeks to be seen. Shame seeks to be avoided. But don't be fooled. The emotions have the same parentage, and the emotions have the same impact. They keep you from your father. Pride says, you're too good for him. Shame says, you're too bad for him. Pride drives you away. Shame keeps you away. If pride is what goes before a fall, then shame is what keeps you from getting up after one. God, the sinless and selfless Father, loves us in our pride and shame. 2 Corinthians 5:19 says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. This is Max Lucado. This is a new Joining me now, Michael Kelly. Um, he's joining me today as the author of The Whole Story for the Whole Family, A Year of Jesus-Centered Family Devotions. But there's lots of other ways that I could introduce him. Michael, welcome back uh, to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. How's life on the farm? Life on the farm, man. It's, it's, so it's farm life. Um, and spring comes with all kinds of great stuff and death. Like it's so, I mean, we've buried a chicken, we've buried three puppies and we've, and we didn't bury, oh, but my. we, but we had to deal with the death of a newborn calf. I'm telling you, oh. it is, I know, I know. So there you go. This is the danger of asking me a question about yeah, real life. Yeah, that's Ooh. right. That's right. Goodness Ooh. gracious. So, um, Hey, um, Michael is one of the people who shepherds my heart and shepherds my family. He's an elder at the church where we are privileged uh, to attend Grace Community Church in Nashville. Um, so, Michael, thank you so much for what you uh, do each and every day as uh, a senior vice president of church ministries for Lifeway Christian Resources. Thank you for what you do as an author at michaelkelly.co. And let me just tell my listeners, hey, if you're listening right now, Michael Kelly, Kelly is got two E's in it, K-E-L-L-E-Y. And yes, it's .co, not .com. So Michael Kelly with two E's dot co. And if you go there right now, you can get a, a free download, 11 keys to starting family devotions, which gets us into the conversation that we're having now about the new book. So talk with us about why we need family devotions and why it is so scary for parents to even imagine shepherding the hearts of kids and having family devotions every day. Well, it is scary, I think, uh, and and maybe that's part of the reason why we need it is is because it is so so scary. I I think the main reason that we need it is because when you look through the Bible, it it seems pretty clear that the Lord's intent that the main spiritual influence in in the lives of children uh, should be the parents, uh, and that's just such a weighty responsibility for parents to take hold of. Uh, I know for uh, you know for me having some sort of time where our family got together and read the Bible, it was one of those things that you always meant to do, right? Like one of the mm -hmm. things we always, we, we wanted to do, and I just never could really pull the trigger, like never really get it started. Um, 
but we've been, by God's grace, faithfully doing this uh, for the last 10 years. So I think the getting started part is, is really the toughest thing. So I, I wanted to create something that was really approachable and really achievable that would sort of help a mom or a dad just get over that first hump and get into God's word with their kids. All right, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, that's me, that's me, I just don't know how to get started. Um, we're actually giving copies of the book away today. Our friends at Lifeway have supplied us with some. So if you would like to enter the drawing for the copies of The Whole Story for the Whole Family, A Year of Jesus-Centered Family Devotions, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. So, Michael, let's um let's talk about the fact that this is about the whole story, and then let's talk about the fact that it's for the whole family because the whole story part of this is important. It is important. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do when we started reading the Bible with our kids uh, was to try and just help them understand. You know, we're going to read individual passages of scripture, but really, all of those passages of scripture are telling the same story. So, we wanted to. Uh, when reading the Bible with our kids, we wanted to make sure that they had uh, just a, a sense of the overall trajectory of the Bible. What is the main thing that the Bible is telling, and how do all these different pieces fit together to tell that one story? So that's the whole story part. The whole family part is really the fact that, you know, I, I know that uh, when parents start doing this, I think they jump in and they think, I'm really doing this for the benefit of my kids. I want to help my kids. And that, that's certainly the case. But boy, I, I would have to say over the last 10 years, I've gotten at least as much out of this practice uh, as my kids have. You know, kids, kids just have a way of simplifying things and making really pointed comments that are deeply, deeply challenging. So I think if parents do this, what they'll find is not only that their, their kids are learning about the Bible and learning about Jesus, I think they'll find themselves deeply challenged uh, in, in what the conversation brings out as it's relevant to their own lives, too. So every single one of these begins with um, a show, like a show section. I don't know how else to say that. So there's the there's the show and tell, and the right. show part of this is an object lesson. Um, talk about something as simple as teaching about being made in the image of God by using you know your kids' baby pictures or pictures of your family. Yep. So that's right. Every single one of them does. And boy, it, listen, if you if you've never tried to come up with hundreds of <laughs> object lessons, you, you haven't really lived. Uh, it is by far the, the hardest part about writing this is, is trying to do is to do it. So each one does start with some kind of object lesson or a game. Don't be intimidated, though, parents. It's literally it, it's not like it's not like build a custom birdhouse before you come to breakfast this morning. <laughs> no, it, right, right. <laughs> it, it's more like get get a box of cereal from the cabinet. That's what you're going to use. So it's that kind of thing. Uh, everyday sort of objects, really just to capture attention and get people into it. Um, our family is using this. The, the object lesson this morning, uh, we were in Genesis chapter 15, which is, you know, God's uh, reaffirming his promise to Abram. And so the object lesson to get started was get a, get a piece of construction paper and dump a little bit of salt on it and say, this is kind of sort of what the Lord did with Abram when he walked him outside and said, look at the stars in the sky, just like you can't count the number of grains of salt that are on this construction paper. So also Abram couldn't count the stars in the sky. This is how many descendants the Lord promised him. So it's, it's things like that, simple things like that, just to get the conversation going. 
All right, I'm going to use um, I'm going to use one example, which would be a story that every listener would be familiar with, and um, and so we're going to talk about cloud and fire. It comes day one of week ten, so I'm just going to give people an example of how the show section, or you know, how this portion of the family devotion begins. So prior to gathering your family for the daily story, take a sheet of paper and make a rudimentary map on it of either the inside or the outside of your home. Make some marks on it so the family can identify different landmarks, and then put an X on the map to signify something on the inside or outside of the house. Be sure um, and not make the map too obvious to figure out. As the family gathers, show them the map and ask them what they think it is. Hopefully, after some discussion, they'll be able to say, well, it's a map of our property, and then ask them what they think the X represents. Ask them what maps are used for and why someone might need one. Explain that maps are used to help people find their way from one point to another. Remind the family that the Israelites were now in uncharted territory. Uh, They did not know the right way to go in order to get to the land that God was bringing them to. But uh, But they did not have to be afraid because even though they didn't know where to go, God did, and he would show them. They only had to trust and follow him. And then you read together Numbers chapter 9, verses 5 to 23. So even the reading section is not really long. There's then an explanatory section, some reflection questions that are really well designed to provoke conversations in your family, and then a very simple um, two-sentence prayer. The book is The Whole Story for the Whole Family, A Year of Jesus-Centered Family Devotions. I'm talking with author Michael Kelly about it. If you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies we have available, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Michael and I will be right back. All right, continuing my conversation with Michael Kelly, who has a really fancy, fancy title at Lifeway, but there's um, three kids who call him dad. And that might be the most um, critical, um, the most important quality that he brings to this conversation today. The whole story for the whole family, a year of Jesus-centered family devotions. Um, Michael Kelly and his wife have been doing this with their kids for 10 years. And so this book's not just the product um, of, you know, somebody sitting at Lifeway writing a book. It's the product of real lived experience. And I think, Michael, that's a huge, that's a huge consideration when people are thinking about what to, you know, like what family devotional book to get. Like they know they need help. And so you're offering this um, as something that's been tested in your own family. Yeah, for sure. And it's really been shaped by that a lot. Like just a couple of examples. You know, we, we found for, for us, for our family, uh, that that the rhythm of doing this on a weekly basis was really four days a week. That that was what was achievable and sustainable for us. And so that's how the that's how the devotion is set up. Uh, is that you do four days a week, and then on on the last day of the week on Friday, what we do in our family and what we say in the book is is a good practice. Is you know instead of doing an official devotion today, just go around the circle. Let everybody breathe for a minute. Let everyone share one thing that they're thankful for and one specific way that the family can pray for them. Uh, and so that's that's day five. So it's it's things like that, you know, just us sitting around as a family asking ourselves, okay, we did this for 10 years. That's a pretty long time. What were the what were the reasons why this was able to to keep we know it wasn't because we were awesome at it. <laughs> it was, so what what rhythms did we have that really, really helped it keep going for that long? And so that's that's how it was fashioned. Do you have, I mean, I, this is might be a crazy question. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite one of these devotions? So the, 
maybe the most memorable one. I mean, I remember years and years oh, good. ago. Most memorable. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah, Let's do that. Yeah. One. Well, there's a bunch. I mean, there's, you know, you know how it is with everybody. Every parent knows how it is with, with kids, right? Like it's, you know, eight out of 10 times, something's going to happen and it's going to go off the rails, right? It just, it just is. <laughs> totally. That's, yeah. that's the thing. But then every once in a while you get these moments, just these moments. Uh, so I remember years and years, this is when our kids were much younger than they were now. Uh, and one of those moments we were reading the, the story of Rahab, which is always an interesting story to cover with small children. What did Rahab do for a living? Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about that a different time. So, uh, we, so we're reading the story of Rahab and, you know, of, of course she is, is spared at the battle of, of Jericho. And one of the kids on their own is suddenly able to put together that the reason why she was spared is not because she was necessarily the best person in Jericho, the reason that she was spared is a lot like the reason why the Israelites were spared during the Passover is because there was something else that was marking her. And the thing that was marking her was red, just like the thing that was marking the Israelites was red. And the thing that marks us is red, which is the blood of Jesus. So there's those, like those moments that are just amazing and profound when even though eight out of 10 times it goes off the rails, you, you suddenly realize we're playing the long game here and the Lord really is at work in the lives and the hearts of our kids. Michael, there are um, certainly people listening right now who um, who don't know very much about your family and your journey, um, but this is not the first devotional that you've written um, and this is not the first kind of window into your only your own family that you have given us. And so um, can we just go back and briefly visit Wednesdays were pretty normal? Sure. Yeah, of course. So that's uh, the the first book I wrote. And uh, boy, that's, that's been out for, for a hot minute. Uh, Now it doesn't seem like that long, but uh, so that book was really written as a a reflection after our, our two-year-old son was diagnosed with cancer. And so he did uh, three and a half years of, of, uh, treatments for leukemia and now is driving around as a 16 year old uh around nashville tennessee and so lord was faithful and kind to us but but the book really came out of our family's journey it it was it was just sort of an attempt to process uh, how do you process real pain and difficulty and struggle but to try and do it in a faithful way uh, and to do it through the lens of of faith um, so that's that's what that became out a number came out a number of, of years ago, and we still are are very hopeful that it's that it's helpful uh, to people who are walking through, you know, many different kinds of struggles. Yeah, I bring that up because I think that it helps people understand that, um, you know, you're a real dad in a real family that um, walks through real life, and and sometimes it's helpful to know that um that our authors are um you know they're real people and their lives have real texture and real complexity and so thank you for sharing that so if you're listening right now and you're like what book did carmen just reference because that sounds like that is just what my friends need or just what my daughter needs wednesdays were pretty normal followed by walking with jesus through cancer both books that um, ministered to my family when we walked through our cancer journey with my nephew, Larry. And so I can highly recommend those to you um, as well today. We're talking about 
the whole story for the whole family, a year of Jesus-centered family devotions. Michael Kelly is my conversation partner. Um, Hey, Michael, um, when you think about uh, this year of COVID, a lot of folks have had a lot of time at home with their kids. Some of us have made some mistakes. Our kids have seen us do some things or say some things or behaved in ways that we're not proud of. Talk with us about just sort of the reality of living in such close proximity to one another. And maybe as we move back into quote unquote normal life, um, how developing a rhythm of family devotions is maybe going to help people stay connected to this intimacy that we've developed and do so in a positive way. Well, I, th- I think you said it, you know, COVID uh, has taken so many things from, from us as a, as a society and a culture, right? Like you could just, uh, you could rattle them off all the things that COVID has taken from us. Now, if, if you want to step back and look at it objectively, hopefully by God's grace, there have also been some, some gifts through the struggle. I know for us as family, it has felt like over the past year, in the midst of stepping all over each other and, you know, me coming out of a bedroom where I'm trying to work and just yelling, can everybody just shut up for five minutes, just for five (laughs) minutes, I need five (laughs) minutes. But it does feel like that in the midst of all that stuff that, that we as a family have sort of rediscovered home together. Like it, before, before the pandemic and the shutdown happened, you know, we were all sort of, as most families are, you know, you're all kind of just going your separate ways and there's activities every night and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, just a complete stop to that. And you're forced to have this immense amount of time on your hands to ask each other, well, what are we going to, what are we going to do now? For us, it really was sort of a rediscovery of, of being together and then you couple that with the fact that when, when churches shut down, you know, we, we didn't have the luxury of, of leaning so heavily on a church ministry to be the spiritual influence in our families anymore. So a lot of parents had to take up this mantle on their own. So this is, this is one of the things that, that I really do hope that we actually take from COVID is a greater appreciation of not only spending time together, but also influencing each other together spiritually. Uh, and hopefully this is a this would be a tool for people to do that. Again, it 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 is meant to be really, really approachable, really, really achievable. You could do every devotion in 15 minutes or less. Just a, a small way to keep to keep the rhythm in place as more and more activities just crank up and life returns to normal. All right, a little shout out to Devin Maddox and uh and Taylor Combs. It's hard for me to um, imagine how guys edit their boss. So there you go. A little shout out um, to those guys. Um, love what you guys are doing at Lifeway. Obviously love what you're doing um, as an elder at our church and it's just so grateful to God for you. Thank you for your, this contribution to the conversations that we're having with our kids and in our families. The whole story for the whole family, a year of Jesus-centered family devotions by Michael Kelly. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies I have to give away today, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Michael, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Carmen. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. All right. I'm just aware that there's just a lot of folks this morning um, who are waking up in a world that disappoints them or in which they are discouraged. People who um, their first turn is not toward the Lord. It's not toward his word. It's not uh, it's not toward Christ and the reality of the cross and the empty tomb. And so as we go forth into the world that God so loves, let's be sensitive 
to the people who woke up today, not just on the wrong side of the bed, but on the wrong side of a holy God. Um, And let's have a heart for them today. Maybe they are in our own homes. Maybe they are next door. Maybe they are down the street. Maybe they are um, on that Zoom call. Maybe they are the person at the traffic light behind us. Maybe they are um, the person, you know, pushing the grocery cart around uh, the same aisle that we're that we're in. There are a lot of people who woke up this morning and did not turn with their first thought uh, to God, and they did not turn to the Lord in prayer, and they have not yet, and may and may not know that they could open the Word of God and discover the reality of not only who He is, but the depth of His love and His grace. So let's be people today who live in such a way that other people would be interested in finding out more about Jesus. Jesus. It's really all about Him. Let's make sure it's all about Him today in the ways in which we live. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.